Our text today comes to us from Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the, in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome by, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This morning, we're going to be talking about those right marks. I mentioned there are two marks that reveal the person whose heart has been awakened to the power of life in Christ. Paul instructed the, the Roman Christians to be genuine in loving each other within the congregation and within the world and community around them. The two marks of a disciple whose heart has been awakened to the power of life in Christ is that they love the congregation and they love the community. Number one, they love the congregation. Notice I didn't say our congregation, right? There's many other Christian congregations and Christian groups doing good things with the gospel. And do we agree on everything? Not really, not if we're honest, but it's a sacrifice that Jesus made that saves that we find unity in, that we find unity in, right? We're not in competition with other congregations. We're not in competition with Axon Church or, or East Coast Believers or Community Bible Church. We're in the same team, right? Sharing the gospel with the world, the church, the congregation as a whole. I've heard it said uh, one time at a conference, and I, and I love it. I've said it before in here, and I'll, I'll repeat it again. But sometimes if we see all these different denominations with Christendom, it's almost like multiple people that Jesus is coming back to, right? But Jesus isn't coming back to a harem. Jesus is coming back to a singular bride, the church as a whole, right? We're in the same team. So the congregation, how are we showing love to others who believe in Christ? really believe deeply that it's, it's truth in who we are and how we relate with each other that draws us close together, right? The authentic nature of, of deep relationships, meaningful relationships that go just beyond the superficial conversations and get down into the, into the pain or into the joy, but into the real, real and genuine. 
We're called to be authentic, to be true with who we are, and we're pulled closer. The very first sentence in this reading says, let love be genuine. Genuine. Genuine is the particular way that this word is translated, but, but the Greek is more of this idea that there is a hypocrisy, and then there's like the opposite of hypocrisy. And this love is supposed to be the opposite of hypocrisy. Let it be real, not superficial, not fake or phony, but real. You know, my, my wife at one point in time in a previous congregation said, wouldn't it be amazing that instead of a coat rack, and coat racks, by the way, for those of you who've always lived in Florida, there's these things called coats, you could put them on, they keep you warm in the months that end in burr. <laughs> and we would have racks where you could hang them when you went into church. But my wife said, well, what is, would it be wonderful if we could have a mask rack? That as you came into church, you could just take the mask off, the pretending like things okay, and just hang that up and just be you. And sometimes you is amazing and just be amazing, but if you're hurting, then you can be hurting. But just to be real. And when we're real with each other and we're real with God, we recognize that we have a real God who solves real problems. And that's an amazing thing. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. This love is first and foremost God's love for us in Christ, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us out of His great love for you, out of His great love for the will of the Father and the Father's will. His desire, His dream is that you be saved. His wish is to be with you for eternity, right now and forever. That's His will. That's His desire. That's His love for you. This real and genuine love. I, I wonder if sometimes we struggle with understanding what this real kind of love is, this sacrificial type of love, right? Instead of seeing love as a commodity, just something that I need, so I'll go out and, and find that need filled however I can get that filled. But that's not a sacrificial love. That's a consuming kind of love. But a sacrificial love is one that pours out, one that gives, one that provides, one that serves one that sacrifices. There's incredible power with that. Right? Sometimes I think we pretend to love. Love is easy to give lip service to. To say I love you is easy. Well, it doesn't require any actions. Right? But don't just speak your love. It's important that we show our love sacrificially in our actions. Right? It's easy to give just lip service to it. I can shamefully think back to high school years and how some, I'm not going to say all, but some, some young women in high school will do anything to hear the words, I love you. And some, I'm not saying all, but some young men will say, I love you, to get whatever it is that they want. That is a hypocritical love. That's a love that just seeks to receive what it is that they want. It's not a non-hypocritical love, not an agape love, not a sacrificial love, not a giving, serving, sacrificing kind of love. And then Paul adds something to this agape sacrificial love. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. This is this, this brother-to-brother kind of family love. It's this unique bond, a deep devotion. 
We probably see it best, and, and guys, I'm going to ask you to take a little bit of a, a humble pill because our wives are probably better at this. Moms are really good at this kind of selfless, innate love, this benevolence, this devotion towards our children. Right? Moms are great at that. And he says we're supposed to show honor. We're supposed to lift people up to honor other people. So often in this world, we want to show ourselves as better by putting other people down. Paul says, don't, don't do that. Lift up other people. Show honor to one another. Show honor. And he says this. This is interesting. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, if you are an ultra-competitive person like I am, you hear outdo one another. This is a competition, baby. I will beat you at showing you honor. That doesn't make sense, though. But I'm going to humiliate you in defeat as I honor you. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense because that's not what Paul means. What Paul means in this outdo is it should be translated more of, of set the standard for. Right? Lead others in your example by showing honor to other people. Be the first one to honor someone else. And then contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This gets back to Romans 12 verse 8 we talked about just a little while ago. To the one who contributes in generosity, this service, this sacrificial pouring out, this generosity that is, is uncommon. And Paul is informing the church in Rome, is, in, is informing all of the places that he goes to in his missionary journeys, and he's, he's receiving collections from all of these different churches all across the known world, and he's pouring them back into the church at Rome, which sounds kind of interesting and opposite, right? Usually when we think of missions, we think of the home church as raising funds so they can spread it out into the mission congregations that they go see. But here Paul is pulling in funds from the mission congregations and bringing them as a gift to Rome and impoverished Roman communities. And this hospitality is this really interesting word in my mind. Because I think sometimes maybe we miss hospitality by, by welcoming people into our homes and really seeking to impress by the home that we have or the meals that we serve or the setting in which we bring people in. Now, aren't you impressed? That's not hospitality. That's gloating and bragging. Hospitality is when you welcome somebody into your home and you welcome them. They feel wanted and valued and home. That's hospitality. As we think about that, you know, how hospitable are we to guests and visitors who are with us today? I think every church can grow in their hospitality of people who come and, and worship together with us. Do they feel welcome? They feel a part of family. Uh, Pastor Roberts is, is one, of my, one of my favorites for this when, when he, and I can't wait for him to, to come back into to service here at St. Luke's, and he's, he's making continual improvements, and we're so excited to, to have him back very, very soon. And 
He's one of my favorite people to, to serve with on a Sunday morning as he does liturgy, because as he does liturgy, for those of you who have, who've seen that, there's this other church service that's over in the other room. And they're, they're very traditional, and they do lots of traditional things. Um, they're amazing people. And Pastor Roberts, when he's over there and he's doing liturgy, it's not doing words that he said over and over again. He's hosting the congregation in the presence of God. He's making us feel welcome in that act, and, and he's incredibly gifted in that regard. So I can't wait for him to come back. Do we do that? Right? Do we do that as congregation members when people come and as guests or visitors, do we welcome them and make them feel at home? Do we do that at our homes? As people come in, do they feel like they are important and valued and welcome? So we're supposed to love one another. This is something that's, that's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's, it's not a, a, an unconceivable idea. We're supposed to love the congregation. And Paul says, the second thing I want you to do, the second mark of being a person who's a disciple of Jesus, whose heart's awakened to the power of life in Christ, here's the second one, I want you to love the community that you're in. I want you to love the people who aren't here right now. I want you to love people who, who look different than you, who speak differently from you, who think differently from you, who live differently from you. I want you to love them. Now, sometimes it's, it's easy and tempting for us as a church to look at the outside world as the enemy, right? They're against us. They're persecuting us. They are, uh, they are the mission that God has given to you. Right? They're not the enemy. They're the mission, and they're so incredibly worthy of love. Those people different from us are loved by God, and he calls on us to love them as well. They're not our enemy. They're our mission. Paul says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. To bless means to seek and to desire something good for that other person. The Beatitudes come to my mind whenever I hear that word blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, you are when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. When you show honor and love to someone outside the church, and they persecute you for it. When you bless them, God allows you to experience his blessings as well. It's the same with generosity, right? God is so incredibly generous with us, and he knows the joy of that generosity. And he calls on us to be generous in giving of our life, of our time, our treasure, our talents, not because he needs them, but because he knows that when you do, you'll encounter that same joy that he does. And it's the same with blessing others. Even those who do not bless you back, Jesus says, I want you to bless them because I know the great joy that comes in blessing other people. And I want you to know that same joy too. Live in harmony with one another. 
Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. See, living in harmony requires that we live in such a way that we have a right view of ourselves, a humble view of ourselves, that we know that we are no better than anybody else, that we sin just as much as everybody else, but we are covered in the grace of our Lord who brings us victory, who allows us and declares us that we are made right with God, that the faith that we have is counted to us as righteousness, the exact same righteousness of Christ. But that's not of our own doing. And maybe the hardest part of all of this is not returning evil for evil, right? When somebody is angry with us, it's so easy to want to to retaliate and be angry right back and escalate the situation. But I tell you what, no situation ever de-escalates unless one person relents and lets go and takes a step back and says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to escalate this anymore. In fact, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to apologize instead. I'm not going to let myself be walked all over, but I'm going to apologize and let that relationship be healed. And if there's no room for that healing on the part of the other person, you've cleaned up your side of the street. Your conscience can be clear. And if that person maybe continues to be aggressive or abusive at that point in time, that's the time to say, I need to establish safe and healthy boundaries for myself. Well, I can experience and give grace to that person. I don't need to allow myself to continue to get beat up by them. Paul continues, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. In the recovery world, we talk about cleaning up our own side of the street. Right? Sometimes in, in, in difficult and ugly relationships that have, have gotten uh, filled with pain and scars, All we can really do is clean up our own side, own our own side of the street, and seek to clean that up. The other side of the street, dotted lines, that's that's not ours to clean. But our side, we clean. and, and, And at the same time, we pray, Father, forgive me in the same way that I'm forgiving them. Pretty sure that's in the Lord's Prayer. We forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, I want my side of the street to be clean with everybody that I come into contact with so that you ultimately are that street sweeper that that washes my street completely clean. It's only because of God's great and intense, powerful love for us that we have the capacity to love others. What does it look like to be somebody whose heart's been awakened to the power of life in Christ? You see a profound love in them, that they love others, that they honor others, that they seek to lead in honoring other people and caring for them. But not just people who look and sound like us, not just the congregation, but the community, to see absolutely nobody as your enemy but everyone has the mission. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you that your love is the one that floods and flows into our lives. Father, for that love of Christ that flows into us this morning, we pray that that would 
motivate us, inspire us, and move us to share love with one another in, in amazing, creative, and extreme ways. Father, that we would see the community around us and not see the differences that, that would irritate us or cause us stress or strain or even pain, but that we would see everyone in this community as one who is loved by you, that, that you desire them in your kingdom and to share your love with them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now at the bottom of your note page that you received as you came in, there's that weekly awakening space, two lines. This is what I want you to write in that space, a conversation starter for you to have. Share how you will show love this week to your, show how you will show love to your community this week. And remember, this is an opportunity for you to, to have this conversation around a meal table sometime today or during this week or a Bible study that you may have to use this to kickstart your conversation. How will you show love to your community this week? And remember, community is not your fellow believers, but your community is to those who sound, look, smell differently than you.